Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Yemi Penn. Yemi is a fearless businesswoman and thought leader on creating your own memo, meaning she gets to write the script of her life and encourages others to do the same. An author, documentary producer, and TEDx speaker, Yemi is helping to pull back the veil for many, instigating us all to use our trauma as a catalyst for transformation and growth. So I am super excited to welcome Yemi Penn to the show. Welcome, Yemi. Thank you so much, Sarah. An absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. Excited to interview you. I'm jealous that you're in Australia and I'm in the UK, but you are a fellow Brit, so it's lovely to have you on the show. I am excited because I know your story is really going to inspire so many of my listeners. So please, Yemi, would you mind sharing your story with us? Oh gosh, my story could span everywhere. I mean, the best way to describe it that gets everyone kind of like on hooks, like what's her story, is I'm a British-born Nigerian living in Sydney, Australia. And when I say that, it either just screams, this chick is on the run from something (laughs) or or she's on the run from something. And the truth is, I definitely was on the run. So my move to Australia about eight years ago was effectively me just wanting to run away from trauma. That's the best way I can put it. And I kind of start the story there because it's a pivotal moment in in what I've now done in my life since moving to Australia eight years ago. But that trauma was an incident for me as a child, but it was also because I was failing. I felt like I was failing in life. Here I was, two kids, two different dads. This was never, ever meant to be the life I was to live. And so for me, it was a case of I needed to hide in shame. And until I kind of hit rock bottom was when I decided, okay, um, I've got to look at this. I've got to look at this shadow, this darkness. Where does the shame come from? And the minute I started doing the work was the minute I started getting really bold and cheeky in the things I was kind of demanding from life. And a big part of that was changing the memo, which, you know, I'm sure I'll talk to you about. So in a nutshell, that's kind of like my life. But as you know, there's so many other things that really around the things you talk about, which I think is so necessary, that really is the truth of how I came about to where I am today. I find it fascinating because there still is a bit of a stigma. And I know a lot of my clients feel a lot of shame, which is the word you just used there about a breakup. Yet it is quite commonplace, but it's not the fairy tale, is it? When we walk down the aisle or we do, however we get married these days, you know, yeah. it we're signing up for this romance this lifestyle and then when that's taken away the embarrassment I mean I know I felt huge humiliation in my network of people as well yeah. you know what do you think about that because you know running away to another the other side of the world is, is a huge thing shame. oh absolutely and you know there's a term I think um I put this post in my Instagram once that shame dies 
when it comes out into open stories, which is why I'm so grateful for the work you do. So I think the shame is there, but the, it's kind of kept under wraps. And that's why speaking up is so important. Not everybody has to do it. Those who feel brave and courageous enough can do it so that those who are yet to find their voice can check in. Because remember, we've watched the Hollywood movies. I mean, shoot, even the, you know, the Disney films that like you had cartoon characters that appeared to be living happily ever after. And so you're here thinking, well, if that piece of drawing on a paper can make it through a happy ever after, then why couldn't I? And so you asked that question. And part of my trigger was, well, let's just investigate that a bit closer. Let's really figure out what it is we all think we are working towards and trying to attain in happiness in a forever relationship and or marriage. And, and you know, I, I want to put out the small print here. I'm, I'm currently in a really happy relationship, but trust me when I say I am operating from a very, very different paradigm. Ooh, well, we're going to dive into that because that sounds fascinating. Before we get to that, though, let's just backtrack a bit. So you've got two kids, two different yeah. dads. So obviously a lot of my listeners will resonate with a marriage breaking down and, and having children from that. What was it like starting again with somebody else and then having another child with a different yeah. parent? How does that oh, work? Oh, I, I love your question. I love the boldness. If only we could just have these conversations across the dinner table to just really keep stuff real. Um, I remember when I became a single mum for the first time with my daughter, I remember my dad, God bless him, has passed away. You know, I was definitely, I want to say his favourite child. So there was a lot of love. But the one thing he said to somebody else, I think it might have been my mum was, I don't think Yemi's ever going to find someone because as a single parent, it's going to be hard. So I didn't actually have that knowledge. But to hear him say that made me think, shoot, did I miss a beat here? Am I really broken now because of that? So the confidence was already shattered. So can you just imagine meeting someone with reduced confidence? I actually met my then my then partner who became my husband, is now my ex-husband, that's a tongue twister. Um, I met him online. So there was not confidence before I even met him. And there was this case of, okay, I'm damaged. Please love me, love me. But I'm also quite stubborn. I, I mean, I did, I gave up quite a lot. I gave up my job. I mean, I'm an engineer and I gave up engineering because I felt the first relationship failed because I wasn't the dutiful stay-at-home wife. So I went through some major changes. So there was the not confidence to begin with. And that was when I moved to Japan to live with my then husband. But what was really new to me was how is this guy meant to operate as a dad or a stepdad? Once again, there's no memo for that. I didn't get the memo. Were there some things that I probably got wrong that I messed up? Absolutely. But shoot, where is the memo? How was I meant to know that? So it was rough for the first couple of months. Um, however, saying that I've done the work and I currently have a fantastic relationship with my ex-husband. Um, so yeah, it was it was new. And, and then once again, I'm now with a partner who I have intentions for this to be forever, forever. Um, he's not the father of any of my kids. And so I'm now going through a whole new process of, well, what should this look like? So I'm making it up. <laughs> and quite often we have to fly by the seat of our pants, don't we? Because there isn't, like you say, the memo that, you know, how do you do it? And also, even if there was, everybody's different. Every child is yes. different. Every partner yes. is different. They've got their own stuff, their own baggage they bring into that relationship. 
So we can't control it all. And, and quite often we want to do that, don't we? We want to control yes. everything. But you have to kind of give up control, right, in some situations like that. You're absolutely spot on. It's and, and that's what I found most of my fears come from. It's the lack of control. And I usually like to control things because it gives me certainty. And when I get certainty, all of a sudden I feel peaceful. So a lot of my development and transformation work has been around what do I have control over and how can I manage my stress levels, which for me is more about anxiety when I can't control it. Um, there's also another, another element for me. It was just being flexible. You know, the, the statement that changed my life when I did, you know, training as a coach is the most flexible person controls the environment. I'm laughing because I'm just finding another way to control it. And I realized that it was just to be flexible. Things don't go to plan, just be flexible. What is another way I can look at that? I think that's great. I mean, you do need some degree of flexibility, although I guess that comes with a little bit of fear because you are relinquishing control to be flexible. Um, yes. And also the, the co-parenting with two different fathers. Yeah. Obviously, you might have the memo for one that works, but yeah. does it? It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work with the other, does it? Correct. And I and I I am still trying to apply the same model with the relationship I have with my son's father to my daughter's father, and it can't work. They're two different people, and so it then comes back to me, and I say, well, do I need to split my personality to make it work? So trust me when I say I'm still figuring it out, but once again, being flexible, not being too attached to having this perfect outcome has really saved me and probably actually stopped me from getting ill time and time again. It's one of the biggest things, Yemi, I hear with my clients is that you know, the other, the ex, the other yeah. parents, you know, is is driving them insane because they're changing things. They're not being cooperative. They're being unfair. They've got a new yeah. partner. They've got their own demands. They might be having other kids. You know, all that can cause a lot of stress. So, you know, being flexible helps, but also wearing a Teflon suit at all times when you're dealing with yeah. your ex also isn't essential, right? Oh, it is essential. But just when I hear you say Teflon, I just automatically just see these walls being built around us. And I think the risk of not finding the balance of when to put on that Teflon suit and take it off is the difference between ever going into another relationship. You know, thankfully, I haven't been scarred from relationships. I, I love love. But I've started to get really comfortable with the difference between boundaries and compromise, something that I definitely didn't get in in those two first relationships. But I think the Teflon, we've got to be careful because it can harden us up so much that, you know, we're going to talk about my work in trauma that I found that my kids, especially my daughter, who's now a teenager, was going to start picking it up. But she was going to pick it up with only one context. She's never going to get the full context. She's just going to see mum is this hard nuts. And I don't know how to switch it on and off. That was the risk. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. There's definitely a, a fine line between, you know, with the Teflon suit, just letting everything wash off you and then not having yeah. the empathy, you know. And I think it's yeah. important to make sure that the you don't let those hurtful comments or the maybe nasty or manipulative actions, or maybe they're not manipulative, but hurtful actions stick with you. But you can still be loving through that. You can still be kind. You can still do the right thing by your kids at all times. I think, yeah, as you point out, that's really important. And you made Absolutely. a really interesting comment there about boundaries and compromise. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I do think that's really important. Yeah, look, this, this was a bit of self-learning, but also to do with my work in neuro-linguistic programming. It was, you know, I, it's really bizarre. I, and I think this is cultural for women, regardless of background. There is this 
there's this subservient, sub, you know, subordinate type of role that I think a lot of women in particular um, or, you know, wives have had to play. So what I found is that, okay, am I meant to just suppress everything to please my husband or my partner? And I really, I was adopting that. I definitely, I tried to do it in my first, my first relationship that was uncomfortable as hell. And I was like, no, I'm not signing up for this. But then I started to feel, well, that's why it fell apart. And then I tried it second time and I still thought, I don't like this. Why am I having to rely on paying for coffee and, and food through my husband when I can work? So it was trying to understand whether that was me breaking my boundaries of my own independence and trying to find the compromise of, well, if my partner wants to do something, if it's not going to hurt me and it's going to make him happy and I'm not crossing some really hard boundaries, then I'm okay to do it. So every time I find this comfort in a conversation or an action with my partner, the question I ask myself is, okay, are you about to break a boundary, something that's really important to you? If you are, then you're going to just need to deal with the uncomfortableness in your relationship. However, if it's not going to break my boundary, potentially my partner's happy, I can be relatively happy, then I compromise. And so I've made that distinction and I almost become two different versions of Yemi's. I'm just very clear, no, I won't, I won't be doing that. And that's the end of the conversation. And, and I, I try to do it with love and a bit of humor that he tends to know that, okay, this is a boundary and I'm not going to push it. I love that. I think it is important to have healthy boundaries and to be able to say no but again, that can be difficult, can't it? And I, I run exercises with my clients, just practicing, say no out loud, because actually thinking no is one thing, but saying it quite often comes yeah. out in a little squeaky no. Yes. And I'm like, you need to say no and like <laughs> yeah. feel it and let it resonate throughout your whole body and shout it out, even if you're doing it in the mirror when no one else is at home, but just practice using that muscle, right? Because we don't say no enough in a lot of cases. Absolutely. And I love that you kind of have that physical embodiment because, you know, the body keeps the score in every area. And if, if we are mild about the no, there's no confidence. But, you you know, you you need we need to we need to do it more, especially for women. We need to get more comfortable with saying no and not actually needing to give some full ass explanation at the end. And I do it beautifully with my kids. I just say no and sometimes they ask why and actually just say because I don't want to I mean I think it's so empowering and actually it's quite fun when you realize that you can say no and it can be quite fun I quite enjoy saying no sometimes because it's quite empowering especially yes. I mean I'm a survivor of abuse so coming out of that situation when I rarely said no for fear of consequences now I'm yeah. like no no yeah. no <laughs> And I love it. I'm like, yes, all right, go girl. Um, now, let's talk about trauma because I know you talk a lot about that and it's a really important topic. When you're coming out of maybe toxic relationships or dealing with difficult people, quite often we don't realise that there is a certain amount of trauma associated with that. Do you see that yeah. with people that they don't actually recognise the trauma that they've experienced? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated? heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. 
Sara will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sara has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sara too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Do you see that with people that they don't actually recognize the trauma that they've experienced? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I've kind of gone deep. I think you know, I definitely speak on the spiritual realm. I feel like there was a whole team on a different dimension that knew I was going to go into trauma, but I didn't. And it's kind of gone really quick and deep with me because the minute I started speaking, but mine was with a different voice. It was like with this empathetic, courageous voice. I had lots of people coming out saying this happened to me, or I don't think that's a big deal, um, or your trauma is bigger than mine. And I started to get really interested so much. So I've started a PhD a couple of months ago, trying to look into trauma and can it be transformative? But I'm beginning to find out very quickly that some people don't even acknowledge that they went through something traumatic. Um, and, And they haven't been able to figure out whether a certain action or behavior is linked to that. But most of the time they don't until things get really bad. And I'm trying to figure out, well, do we have to wait for things to get really bad for us to find out that our pet dying at 10 years old is the reason why I've got anger issues and the reason why I am violent in a relationship. So I see the thread really clear. But the question now for me is, can my work actually empower people to start doing the work to say okay I've got to look at this regardless of how small I think it is. I totally agree with that it's great advice and I think yeah there is a real therapeutic side to turning that pain into power or trauma into triumph you know by working through it and I think there is a choice you know and I I I wish this was taught at schools I wish it was I wish it was something that we all learned that you have a choice you know yes. things happen and we can't control we can't change the past but we can control how we react to it and what we do with that and how we move forward so it's a choice either you drag that through your life as something that's a bit of a gray cloud and maybe sort of infuses throughout everything else and makes it just a little less enjoyable or we make that decision to say right I'm going to step up I'm going to use this pain use this trauma that I've been through or this challenge whatever it is however big or small and turn that into something that empowers me to do something bigger and better or become stronger because adversity makes us stronger, doesn't it? It does. And I know for some people that might be really hard to hear, especially when you're in the thick of it, but it does. And, you know, I do this thing called pain to power mapping with, you know, when I do workshops, which is for people to go back in time in history and look at a painful moment they went through and then to just go back and look at the steps and what happened and what was the good that came out of that when you're in pain, you don't feel it. But when you go back, and I call that your resiliency blueprint. And if everybody could do that activity while they're in a really difficult situation, it gives them hope that they actually have something in them that allows them to go work through things. And what I found now, as I look at my history of going through painful moments, I'm actually able to transmute that pain to power a lot quicker and 
the gold I create at the end of it is just profound. And that's where I think a lot of us are missing a beat and absolutely should be taught in schools, especially with what's going on in the world right now. And share with us some of your tips. I know you've got a few steps there to, to get to it, but can you share with us some of your advice for people listening now who are going, okay, well, where do I start with this? Can you suggest some places where they can get started? I think the first thing when it comes to trauma, just, you know, trauma is defined as a distressing or disturbing event. So I think the first thing that you probably want to do is acknowledge it because it's really difficult to say goodbye to something you haven't even said hi to. Now, what I'm finding out, <laughs> what I'm finding out that people are beginning to figure out is that they say, how do I know? So in this conversation so far, you've probably got some listeners, possibly even including yourself, where there's something in your mind and you're thinking, that's odd. I don't think that was a problem. It usually comes to you for a reason, whether it's your higher self or it's something connected deep that's been suppressed and until this conversation comes up. So that thing or those events that happened usually I'd say just see if you can investigate it a bit more in order to do that you might need to be in a safe place whether it's have a friend talk through it whether it's a therapist just find a safe place and just acknowledge that there's a possibility that that event that keeps on popping up somehow hasn't been interpreted in a way that's no longer serving you the next step after the acknowledging is you know and I can't believe it's being used all as much as it is but I would call it awaken and all I really mean to that is Empty your cup. Everything you think you know about who you are, your belief systems, what's right and what's wrong, just empty that cup for a second and start investigating other ways in which people have healed their trauma. Even if it just starts with research on YouTube or speaking to a friend or just try and find out who else is talking about that particular event that they went through. That's the awaken. The last bit for me is the most profound, but trust me, everything I'm saying, I think can take decades. And that's your transformation. The minute you can contribute as a result of what you went through, for me is the minute you are living life on purpose. And it's probably the most fruitful thing you could ever do. It's the reason why I personally get out of bed every day. You know, I literally sometimes think, have I really signed up to be in this world for another like 40, 50 years? And if I didn't have the purpose of using my pain to help other people, I think I'd be living a different life, one, one of misery. So finding your method of contributing is part of your transformation. And that's the third step. So acknowledge, awaken, transform. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I also love that you can't say goodbye to something you haven't said hi to. I think that's fabulous. And you mentioned the purpose. Now, purpose is is important, right? I think you know, some people will say, you know, what is purpose? How do I find my purpose at the moment? I'm so overwhelmed. You know, they've left me. I'm broken hearted. I'm managing the kids. I've got a nightmare of an ex. You know, where do I start with my purpose? How, how do yeah. I do that? It's a great question. And we have to keep it real when we are struggling with just I mean, most of us, especially now, are just barely surviving. And, you know, I've got my daughter who's 14 and she says, mom, I don't know what to do. And you can see the angst in her face. That 14 year old probably still, for some reason, is under this impression that she's got to know what she needs to do in life. I would even say that to a 50 year old, if you don't even know what you're meant to be doing in life. Firstly, get rid of the belief system that you need to know the job you need to do by the time you graduate on the premise you went to university. The system and the way we live is completely changing. So take the pressure off that you are meant to know everything now. The best way I think to find your purpose is when you find joy. 
if you are speaking to your kids or somebody else's kid or you're a teacher and you know it, you know the feeling is just for some reason you forget because something else happens that takes you off track. But if you get excited because you've actually just helped somebody on the street who was looking for directions and you feel really good, that's part of your purpose. It doesn't mean you're meant to be giving people directions. It means in some capacity you're meant to be helping. So there's something outside of yourself. You begin to find your purpose when you find the reasons why you just feel joyful. And then you start to stitch it together. Just write it down and you will find something. You will find something in there and it may change. I mean, I've got a tattoo of a business I started <laughs> and I've changed the name of the, of the business. So I've got to get rid of the tattoo. It, I'm not, it's not the end of the world. I changed, I evolved, and the most flexible person controls the environment. So be kind to yourself every time you figure out what your purpose is. I love that definition there and the distinction between change and evolving. Because I think as human beings, we're, we're nervous of change. I think that's yeah. something that, because it's uncertainty, isn't it? And uncertainty yeah. of the future you know, naturally makes us a little bit uneasy. But evolving, that sounds like something that's a positive thing that is yes. going to happen to us all, right? Yes. And I think it's the word a lot of people are going to want to sit on. No one wants to hear change anymore. But if you hear evolving, you kind of feel like you're part of the process and you're not just being dragged around by somebody else who's managing the change button. So absolutely, evolving definitely is, is more palatable. Yeah. And, I, and I do think that when you find your purpose and, and, I, and that, as you say, that's just asking yourself and noticing things about yourself. And it's not something you have to do now. It's something you can just work on over the next month, few months or even years, just understanding mm -hmm. that. I actually run a little mini series for my podcast called Pain to Power. And I train people to become coaches, to become breakup and divorce coaches. And they come on and they explain about what they went through and then how that how that pain has now driven them because they found their purpose in helping other people and sharing what they learned uh, to, to, to now move and, and help other people and how therapeutic that actually is as an individual to be doing that. Which, which I think is fascinating. So tell us a little bit more about your book because I'm fascinated by the name there. Did you get the memo? You've referred to memo a few times um, <laughs> and I love that idea. So can you explain a little bit more about the concept behind it? Yeah, I've, I had a coach actually. She traveled from the UK to Melbourne and she met up with me and I was explaining to her my journey of having come to Australia and it being in shame. And But I, I managed to tell just one person how I was feeling shame and the person said, what? I'm on my third marriage and she was so blasé about it. it might have even been a guy whoever it was was so blasé about it but there was this confidence and 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 I just thought huh why I've been feeling shame and this person's just here just speaking their truth and so I said to the coach it just came out I said did, did I said did you get the memo about life and how it's meant to be lived and how easy it's meant to be because I often didn't and it just dropped out and I just thought that's got to be the name of a book and the intention is to have a, a whole range of series did you get the memo about marriage did you get the memo about divorce did you get the memo about motherhood because for some reason we all just seem to be on this same agenda yet nobody's talking about the fact that it is not a one size fits all. And if you deviate from it, that you're probably a pioneer more than anything else. So that's what the memo is about. You know, when you go into an office and you're like, why does everybody know about this but me? I didn't get the memo, sir. <laughs> I love it, I love it. So where can people find more about you and get coaching with you and follow you on social media? How do people find you, Yemi? 
So my website's probably the best place, yemipen.com. But, you know, social media, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram. Instagram is probably where I'm my realist, which means that there's still parts of me I'm covering on LinkedIn. But Instagram is my realist where I really like to actually connect with everybody on there. And, you know, I don't do as much one-to-one coaching anymore, but I'm always running programs. And every now and again, I open to one-to-one. But it's, it's more the dialogue. I'm about... I'm about connection. For me, I find joy in the conversations. You know, yesterday I put a post up, what's in your heart today? And it's just interesting to hear how people from different parts of the world just literally share how they're feeling. And that gives me insight to this whole worldly experience. So yeah, Instagram is definitely a good spot to connect. Now I have one last question for you that I ask all my guests. And as you know, the podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. So what is happiness for you, Yemi? Happiness for me. There's almost happiness now in the question, and it's always going to sound so airy fairy, but it's how I feel. Happiness is kind of like when I feel my inner being smiling, and it can be anything. It can be looking at a flower. It's just that joy. You know, joy is my middle name, but I want to make this tangible. Happiness to me is when I feel like my soul is smiling, and my soul smiles when I see two people kissing or when I see that little kid waving to a stranger that that is that is happiness to me I love it I love it well thank you so much you shared so much which I know will have resonated and been super useful for my listeners so thank you Yemi for being a fabulous guest thank you so much for having me that's it for today's episode do head on over to yemipen.com to follow Yemi and find out more about all the amazing work she's doing and I look forward to you joining me on my next episode That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.